This is Amber. And this is Shannon. And you're listening to Twin Beats, the Chicken Fanatics podcast. It's fucking great. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the Twin Beaks Chicken Podcast. I'm Shannon. I'm Amber. And we've got an interesting show for you today. I've been sneaking little peeks through the keyhole into the cabinet of curiosities. Oh. <laughs> and Oh, boy, I think we're in for some interesting... I've seen some interesting shadows hopping around yeah, in there. Yeah, this week's particularly Odd clucking strange. noises. Yes. All sorts of mutant chickens scratching all kinds of strange eggs. But first, let's see here. Um, I just want to say I finished the roof of the chicken coop. Yay! Yay, So there's a little bit of flashing left to do, which involves me getting up on the roof and taking off my clothes. No. Um, <laughs> beating on his chest like Tarzan. <laughs> so I'm going to get up there. I, I still have to get up on the roof where the neighbors and can crow. see me and do the flashing. Do the flashing. <laughs> yeah. And crow like a rooster. And uh, yeah, so that's great. Uh, on to our other roofs because, of course, we did the chicken coop first before we worked <laughs> on our own house. And uh, yeah, that's okay. Here it's not. Here it's snowing ash. Uh, the rest, I, I, I saw some videos from punk rock homesteading and they're, look out my window and it's this beautiful snowy forest. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, it's snowing ash outside my yeah, window. There's here horrible, in, horrible fires here. It's quite sad. It's crazy. They're yeah. everywhere. But we had a little one outside of town and uh, I made the mistake of posting pictures. So, of course, everybody from the rest of the country thought that I was right next to this giant fire in Santa Rosa that I'm not. And it's like, no, it's just this thing off the freeway. They'll put it out. No yeah. worries. That's what they do normally. But uh, yeah, so we finished the chicken coop. Yeah, That's exciting. Finished the upper, upper level to it. They've yep. got a little ladder they've been exploring. All done. And now, of course, because the chicken mission never stops, we have begun to build them a larger yard. Yes. <laughs> More roaming room. Basically keep them off our back porch. Yes. The bumblefoot treatment is going well. Oh, right. The bumblefoot treatment. How um, is that? Yes. Yeah, it seems to be doing well. The... Um, the, there's still a scab there, but she's no longer limping, mm -hmm. no longer panting. She no longer feels hot. That's a good sign. Um, and the swelling has gone down considerably. So I'm uh, assuming that she's going to make a full recovery. I'm going to have to keep an eye on it and just make sure, but it seems to have worked. They're robust. Yeah. My chickens are healthy. I probably had birds that had that and then recovered from it and you never knew never yeah, knew it's totally possible the articles say they don't but i mm -hmm. can't believe that yeah, i mean hard it's hard to say it's feet you know? i always just do whatever yeah. i can to help them in their recovery of course so animals yeah. in the wild have a lot of foot resilience too, foot huh? resilience yeah. because that's where you're contacting feet the environment take a beating yes they do yeah so has she started um perching somewhere else at night have we trained her out of um, using the top of that door i go out there every night and take her off of the top of the door and put her in the little oh boy soft place so i think that that's her favorite spot and you know how chickens are once they find a spot they like um maybe we could nail something to the outside of the front of the door to make it wider so that it is a um, suitable perching you know what i was you thinking know, instead just, of fighting it what about just a pipe insulation, just stuff that's cut, and just pop it right over the top, put a few staples in there, so it's a nice, cushy... Something like that. Yeah. Cushy thing. Could well, work. And, uh, yes, the chickens are molting, too. They uh, look awful. Yes. And that's... Right. Some of them. <laughs> Some of them look hilarious. Right. Yeah. Yeah, not all of them. Yeah, that's true. A few of them, it's really obvious, and they look pretty horrendous. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about molting. Yeah, yeah. Because there's just, a lot to talk about with that. 
Yeah, just in case you think they're dying because they look so awful. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. It's normal. Most times losing the feathers is just a seasonal thing they have to go through. It's just a phase. It's just a phase. Yeah. Try not to point it out to them. <laughs> well, but before we get to that, why don't we open the cabinet of curiosities and see what's inside? Yes. The Cabinet of Chicken Curiosities is here once more for you, my friends. And we have some mm -hmm. fabulous discoveries waiting for you inside. The first one, scientists in Japan have genetically modified chickens to lay eggs filled with cancer-fighting drugs. What? Yes. Can you believe it? Okay. Chickens are laying cancer-fighting drugs for you. It's pretty amazing. They, they've done this with um, genome editing. Basically, they take the DNA sequence and they'll snip out a little part of it and replace it with something else. So basically, the genetic instructions are all there to lay the egg and to do all this stuff. But what they've done is replace the little snippet that tells them to lay a normal egg with instructions that tell them to lay an egg with this protein called interferon, which is used to fight multiple sclerosis, hepatitis, and forms of malignant skin cancer. Mm -hmm. And um, typically this substance, interferon, um, costs 250 to $900 to make a few micrograms, which is teeny, teeny right. tiny 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 amount and um people have to inject this a few times a week and it can prevent cancer cells from multiplying so it keeps cancer from spreading pretty amazing these chickens mm -hmm. will lay an average of one of these eggs with filled with the drug once mm -hmm. a day now they still have to put it through testing and make sure it's actually safe to be used in pharmaceuticals. Sure, um, they have to make sure it's pharmaceutical yeah, quality just because yeah. it came out of a chicken. Yeah, yeah, so there's still a ways to go, but they're actually hoping that they could have this drug out into the market by as early as next year. Um, they're unfortunately going to initially sell it at cost to, because just the whole process of getting it approved and into the market is quite expensive, but they're hoping that not too long, they're hoping to cut the cost down to as little as 10% of the original um, cost what, of the drug. What you mean is that they, when they put it out on the market, they're going to sell it at- As an alternative, it's gonna as, cost the at same At the amount. same price as mm -hmm. it is already. Yes, yes. Not at cost, which, means that they're putting it out for how much you're, it costs them you're right Thank which would be a wonderful me. bodhisattva-esque thing yes. for them to do but actually they're doing the opposite of well not the opposite of that but yeah they're they have to cover their costs yeah which is a normal you know i'll just get on a little soapbox here really quick it's it's a normal um thing for inventors to do is you've got to uh cover your you know, your machine costs mm -hmm. and your research dollars and, mm -hmm. you know, for you've got to pay for all of that time you spent looking at the wrong idea mm -hmm. that didn't make you any money. It's, you know, um, sort of like a real estate person. They say, oh, my gosh, this guy, he makes all of this money from just just from me selling my house to this other person and it's like what you're not taking into account is the other four people where the deal didn't go through or somebody just took up an hour of asking them questions going nowhere mm -hmm. so yeah they're gonna make their money back yeah like sensible people and then they're gonna scale down the price yeah so yeah it can um be as little as 10 percent of what they were people were expected to pay what they're for paying their... now yeah which is really a huge deal um, research shows that one in five cancer patients stop taking life-saving drug treatments because um, basically they cannot afford it one in five people that's it's that's, almost a quarter that's 20 percent you know? yeah it's quite quite high just just due to simply they can't afford to take they can't afford it um, and that the the cost 
of these drugs has increased 77-fold since 1975, so Which gone up quite a lot. is not what is supposed to happen in the normal markets. Yeah, yeah, it's... As it gets easier to produce uh, it. Since, ni- since 1977? 75. 75. Okay, that happens to be the year I was born. So <laughs> let me just think for a second here. Uh, when I was about five... I want to say the Atari 2600 came out Mm -hmm. and it cost a lot of money. I forget Mm -hmm. how much, but so imagine now you go to the store and the Atari 2600 is still on the shelf, but now it costs $25,000. Yeah. If you didn't need the Atari (laughs) to save your life, you'd tell them to take a hike, right? Well, you wouldn't even know what to think, right? You'd be like, this is insane. Like, what is this thing? (laughs) why is this even in this store and why is it this much money you know so of course you would expect it to be considerably less yes yeah you know barely above the cost of the materials right because i already discovered how to make it long ago and technology has only improved making it cost less take less time to you know the only thing getting in the way is the resources so why is it that it's gotten more expensive presumably well above the rate of inflation Mm, interesting question. question. I think yes. the, uh, the answers might be hidden in plain day, but we shall... <laughs> not in the cabinet. Not out in the, in the cabinet plain day. today. Well, what else is in the cabinet? So... Enough of that. As fascinating as egg-laying cancer-curing drugs is, there's something even more interesting. Okay. Which rarely, rarely ever happens when a chicken lays an egg inside another egg oh how many people have heard fractal of that egg laying almost amazing yeah it's crazy it happens um, much more rarely than any of the other egg anomalies that are also quite quite rare like um, a double yolk for instance yeah like a double yolk so way or less a tiny often. egg or a huge egg or mm-hmm. or a shellless egg or mm-hmm. any of those things um but um, it's the four-leaf clover of eggs. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah, so um, the curator at the Museum of Natural History's egg department um, had an explanation. There was a little video of him on YouTube that mm-hmm. we found. Yeah, and he says that the reason these eggs can develop like this is that um, the part of the chicken's anatomy that puts the shell on, it'll put the little layer of the shell. And then push it down the oviduct to to start, you know, go on its way to being laid by the chicken. And what can happen is abnormal contractions can sometimes happen in there that will actually push it back up through the oviduct. And it goes through the process again as though it were a yolk instead of a fully shelled egg. So it puts more albumin and maybe even another yolk around the egg and then another shell to accommodate this whole thing and then it gets laid poor chicken so yeah the eggs is, is enormous yeah. huge really big eggs <laughs> makes me cringe just looking at it but you can see on youtube there's actually some videos of someone cracking open one of these enormous eggs and you can see firsthand that there's another another egg right there inside along with the yolk and the albumin of the big egg so that's quite fascinating i thought it was interesting that both yolks were the same size yeah i think that is interesting huh and it kind of makes me wonder what would happen if those got fertilized oh my god yeah Ooh, wow that's that would be really strange i mean there's a chance they could come out fine but the one on the outside would definitely be squished in an uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah. position so I, I suspect that, that the outside the one things. would die it might depends depends i don't know it's not right though it's not right not a good, that ain't right you know how chicken, <laughs> chickens have to be in this certain little position in their yeah in their uh, eggs yeah. so that when that little egg tooth thing mm-hmm. you know they, they pop it on the shell and come out the one in the outer egg gets confused and cracks its way into the inside one. <laughs> yeah, and of course, if the I outer one can't get out, then there's no hope for the inner one to get out. 
Yeah. I mean, maybe there's some hope, but it would be really tough. I imagine that it never happens. I bet that they don't. It's yeah. such a fluke that. Yeah, yeah. That would be too crazy. Well. Oh, one more thing. Okay, one more. Here we go. Just a little chicken history as far as like folklore and the importance of chickens in ritual and uh-huh. religion. In um, in a Santeria and Brujeria, there's um, basically a hex purifying ritual that they do called Gallina Negra. And um, in the modern day, People use an anointed candle and they put their intentions into the candle and focus on cleansing themselves of all curses and negative energies and hexes and things such as that. Um, And that's probably the best way to do it because chickens are domestic animals and if you were to do it the way that they did long ago, then, you know, we don't really need to harm chickens. But anyway, um, this is the way that they used to cure hexes with black chickens before. They would um, buy a black chicken, and then they have the client that was concerned about being cursed stare into the chicken's eyes. And when the chicken looks away, Mm -hmm. that is the chicken signaling to everyone that it has received and taken away the bad energy or curse from the victim. The chicken then has to have its... uh, eyes covered so that it doesn't pass on the curse to anyone else and then Hmm. they um, will take it to the forest and set it free along with the curse the chicken takes the curse with it if the chicken dies of natural causes in the forest and um, just lives its life out there and passes away then the curse passes away with it (laughs) unfortunately if the chicken is eaten by an animal the animal that eats it is going to absorb the curse. Uh And then that animal can pass it on to other animals. Mm -hmm. Or if it meets with a person and you lock gazes with this cursed animal, Uh the person can take on the curse. So, yes, this very, very interesting. Never lose a staring contest with a chicken. No. That's what I've learned from this. <laughs> <laughs> if you get in a staring contest with the chicken, you make sure you win that contest. Right. Because maybe it's a cursed chicken. And if you find or a black chicken it, in the forest, don't yeah. look it in the eye. Don't eat it. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't eat it. You never know. Yeah. Although most people don't do this anymore. No, you, you the modern thing to do mm-hmm. is you, you go through the ritual Mm-hmm. And then you cover the chicken, and then you put it in a shed or something, mm-hmm. and then you get on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shed! Oh, it's in the shed. Yeah, just but you can't. You look, just go in there you and can't look at it though. Well, no, the person from Craigslist will come and look at it, and then they can go off with this you cursed just chicken. Don't look at the chicken. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't look at the chicken myself, but look at the chicken all you like. Decide if it's good. Yeah, that's what I said. You know, go and look at it. It's in the shed. Yeah, in fact, just give me $10. You take it. Right. (laughs) I don't need to be there. Well, you know, it's my kids 4-H project and they got tired of it. So it's kind of in a bad mood. Yeah, have fun. Don't don't be worried if strange things start happening to you. So you don't mind. Okay. What what was the tradition again that this is from? Uh, Can you tell the audience a little bit about that in case they're not totally up on what Santeria is. Santeria is. It's an Afro-American religion of Caribbean origin. And um, it's actually a Spanish word that means worship of saints because it's very influenced by Catholicism. So it's kind of a merging of religions. It's mostly practiced in the Spanish-speaking Americas, like um, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Panama, Colombia, and um, also Mexico. There's um, a lot of people who practice it in the United States as well, but it mostly has migrated here from mostly Cuba and Puerto Rico. Mostly. So sort of like an indigenous witchcraft practice uh, infused with some Catholicism here and there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's a mostly like an ancestry worship based mm-hmm. religion, right? Um, right. Somewhat, 
and I, I'm not an expert on it by any means. No, I'm not but, either. Yeah. But just, you know, if you've never heard the term at all, mm -hmm. people are going to be like, what is this, Asian? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's you right. know? <laughs> so just to give some pe people some idea. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely we aren't the experts in that whole thing. Yeah, but no, that's yeah. a fascinating subject. A I yeah, agree with you that one should not be abandoning hens in the wilderness, no. cursing hens and then abandoning them in the wilderness. But uh, yeah, so you Historically, could use a candle quite for that. Interesting, though, just the significance of hens and roosters in people's religious mm -hmm. practices. And they've mm -hmm. always somehow, you know, you hear about them being. Um, you know, a central part of these traditions and ceremonies in many yeah. cultures. And it's quite fascinating. And I, I would like to do more research to find out was what, what caused that? Was it that they were just available? What caused the chicken to become so central in these practices? So hmm. yeah, it's kind of interesting. Well, I have some theories about that. Uh huh. They're accessible. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking that might people be people have chickens, you know, yes. it's go find a jaguar bring mm -hmm. it home and stare at it is a lot taller of an order mm -hmm. you know sure. but everybody's got a chicken mm -hmm. and you need a sort of you know to put on my anthropologist hat religious studies hat you need something accessible to the regular person who wants to deal with their reg regular human problems mm -hmm. so in contrast for instance when i was in the andalus mountains and uh at a apothecary they had a dried condor hanging off one of the rafters oh, wow. and i said what is that for and they said uh it cures mental illness mm -hmm. you know like schizophrenia mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. well not a lot of people have schizophrenia so you know you use you know a condor would be more appropriate than mm -hmm. you know um the neighbor gave me the evil eye and now my cow died or mm -hmm. whatever the that sort of thing is yeah so there's that i also think that chickens are um man i don't know they stare at you and it's like they it's kind of an intense thing for such a little bird you know it's yeah. like whoa that thing's really giving me the eyeball yeah and there's an animal thing about being stared at that affects you physiologically. Mm -hmm. And I think that that generally is why evil eye traditions are sort of a global thing. Mm -hmm. You know, this ritual that you just read sounds a lot like um, ritual and folk belief in, in Morocco, mm -hmm. which is sort of basically like the uh, pre-Islamic tribal practices fused with Islam. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just the similarities were really striking you know this yeah. whole idea of you stare at something and that transfers what they call the evil eye but this mm -hmm. curse is the same thing to something else and then that goes out and it can you know it's it's a sink for this curse or maybe it transfers it on and then mm -hmm. that further leads you to being concerned of is someone else's chicken giving me the evil eye so yeah. i've got to put this stuff on my face to protect my kids from it mm -hmm. anyway yeah so there's a lot of similarities and stuff that I think yeah, is pretty interesting. Yeah. I think that's quite interesting too. Well, fascinating. Yes. Let's, I, I approve of uh, that <laughs> sort of thing. I hope we can find more folk uh, practices with chickens. And yeah. I think it'd be really interesting to find some uh, like folk American stuff like that, which I'm sure exists. There, there are. There are from a lot of di different traditions. There are. I have a heck of a time finding them because, you know, if you ever do a search on the internet about chickens, most of it's going to be recipes oh my and gosh. how to raise them. It's just flooded with things like that. So they're they're hard to find. YouTube and the video game clips. So if, any, if anybody <laughs> knows of anything, I'd love to broaden my my horizon as far as oh, that yeah. goes. It's a particular area of interest for me. Right, um, right. Folklore and ritual. So... Anyway, well, speaking of flashing, mm -hmm. um, the birds have been molting. Yes, yes. That was the final chapter in our cabinet of curiosities. It sure was, yes. Uh, excellent, excellent. Well, then we should formally close the cabinet. Okay. We should not just leave it open and wander away. Oh, yes, we don't want anything in a getting flurry out. Of feathers, that's true. We don't Pandora's definitely box. keep the cabinet closed. Yes. And from there, 
forth, we shall discuss the weighty matter of chickens losing their feathers in unusually speedy fashions. Yes, looking like porcupine pin cushions. Oh my. Yes. Well, so molting is an interesting thing because you can look it up on the internet and whatever you want to believe about molting, you will find something to vindicate your position. Really? Uh, yes, I've found just in a short period of time uh, articles that say chickens only molt once a year, mm -hmm. that chickens molt twice a year, mm -hmm. that if they have big patches of missing feathers, that means that there's something else wrong with them because mm -hmm. molting never does that. Other articles that say that that's what molting looks like, mm -hmm. uh, that you should induce molting, that you shouldn't induce molting, mm -hmm. just whatever you want to believe about molting, it seems there's an article that will tell so you it's, it's true. a controversial topic. But mm -hmm. our fantastic Amber has been on the case, ferreting through the yeah. swamp of conflicting information to right. arrive yeah. at some conclusions that she is ready to share with you. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I've I've seen a lot of stuff too, but I did see a more consistent pattern through most of it. And mm. yes, chickens um, typically molt about once a year, and that they usually molt in the fall, starting around September, and that this is um, typically triggered by the the hours of sunlight decreasing, and it's not typically triggered by cold weather or things right. like that. So that that would be interesting to find out if you could prevent molting or make it happen later by adding more light to the environment. Did you read yes. anything like that? Yes, you can. Okay, can um, you talk about that? Because I didn't learn well, um, too much in that regard. All right, so yeah, as you pointed out, uh, molting is response to decrease in photo period and... Um, light hours mm -hmm. so if you want to put off the molting you can start giving them light at night mm -hmm. as the hours decrease okay and also if you want to cause molt you can turn and you've been running a light on mm -hmm. them which is the case in most big places mm -hmm. uh then you turn you can turn the lights off to mm -hmm. um yeah, to, to cause them to molt at, at a specific right. time. And is, is it possible to completely prevent molting using the lighting? Um, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but what the industry does is a forced molt mm -hmm. um, here in the U.S. Now, there's a whole, and I don't know, did you do any research on that, the mm -hmm. forced molting in the no. industry? Mm -mm. Okay, then I'll talk about it. Yeah. So... Um, there's sort of a, uh, this is a questionable practice. Mm -hmm. uh, in the EU, it's not allowed. In mm -hmm. the U.S., it is. And I'm going to guess that's true for Canada and mm -hmm. Mexico and everywhere else. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. Tell me if that's not the case. Anyway, uh, so basically they cut the birds off of food mm -hmm. for like a week mm -hmm. and maybe water. And it basically is to stress them out. And then that causes them to molt mm -hmm. because molting will also can also be caused by other things besides photo period stress. Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe you'll it, yeah. cover some of those. But so anyway, yeah, not feeding them is a way to do that. And then they molt and that causes their... Uh, molt period to be shorter i see somehow i didn't really dive into the mechanics of how they're doing this uh -huh. just that they they force a molt okay and that that um changes what part of their egg laying cycle yearly egg laying cycle yeah. they're in so they go back into a productive right because the molt can um one faster Oh, okay. Now I remember. Okay. So there's two egg laying cycles. There's mm -hmm. this uh, sort of winter one, I believe, mm -hmm. where they have fewer eggs, but they are right. bigger yeah. and higher quality eggs. And then they have the normal 
laying season. Mm -hmm. So as the season comes to an end, it stops, it starts to trail off. Mm -hmm. So by forcing the molt, they're ending that weak season. Yeah. And then that brings on the uh, second season sooner rather. So instead of sort of remaining in this deteriorating state it's like okay now we're gonna start over yeah okay i believe that's the idea yeah yeah well they definitely keep them laying year-round at maximum production and there's a lot of techniques for um doing that there's a lot of argument of course for letting the chickens have their natural cycle and just have a little time off sure Um, and they do um, lay far fewer eggs sometimes they even stop during mm-hmm. molting so that makes sense in the egg industry that they would want right. to cut that short as much as possible yeah i feel for smaller scale people they should just adapt their overall operation to deal yeah. with nature instead yeah. of trying to force nature but that's yeah. just my opinion I, I agree with your opinion i think that they um there's a reason that they they decrease right. their egg laying production while they're going right. through all this and a reason it takes as long as it does and as much as we don't Maybe we don't understand it or it might be an inconvenience for us. Um, you know, it's not the most horrible thing in the world to go to the grocery store and buy some eggs while they're they're doing their or their natural thing. Take a few months off from eggs yeah. or <laughs> yeah. can eggs or there's yeah. a lot of things. Freeze them. There's, there's a, lot a lot of things you can do. do. Yeah. That's very interesting. Um, one of the things I found out about, about molting in general is... Um, you can expect them to do it at certain times in their life at about six to eight days old. If you're raising baby chicks, they're going to start losing all their down feathers and growing in adult feathers. And then again, at about eight to 12 weeks, they replace their baby feathers. They get quite battered as they're learning to navigate the world and fighting and, and hunting for food. They look a little wrecked. So they grow in their nice adult feathers. This is also when the males get their beautiful plumage mm. and their um, ornamental feathers. So yes, yes. This this is a time around eight to twelve weeks that you might start noticing that you have roosters, even if they haven't started crowing and and such. Yep. Um, around eight months old, they have their first molt, usually in late summer to early fall. It takes about eight to 12 weeks. And so that like, yeah, think about in the farming industry, um, eight to 12 weeks of potentially non-producing hens. It's quite a long time. That's a long time to not make money. Yeah, that's that's a long time. Um, Or to lose money even. Yeah, well, one thing you can do to help your hens through the molting process is give more protein to them because for one thing, the feathers are 85% protein. So they're using up a lot of it to grow in their new plumage. Mm-hmm. And eggs are mostly all protein as well. And they simply don't have enough to do both of these tasks at the same time without depleting one or the other. Something's going to suffer right. if, uh, you know. The resources is... have to be allocated. Yeah. So... Um, you can give them some protein snacks. They like, uh, you know, black sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, oats, mealworms are extremely high in protein, um, meat, fish, very high in protein. And, um, some people recommend giving them, um, dry cat food kibble. And Mm. all of these things are meant as a supplement. They're not... They're a treat, you know. You don't want to give them too right. much, um, but chickens chickens love these these snacks, and they will help them go through it faster and help them continue to lay eggs as well. So that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, you can also just check the protein content of your feed, mm-hmm. and not all feeds have the same protein content. That's absolutely true. So you can just up your protein content temporarily. Mm-hmm. There's no problem with that. Exactly. That's very that's a very good thing to do. Do you want so, to just keep it simple, you know? From the biology perspective, 
our bird is dropping older feathers mm-hmm. that were better um, suited for warm environment and replacing them with new, thicker, better insulating feathers. Yeah. And it's doing that in anticipation of having to survive the winter. Mm-hmm. So its body is going to say, okay, feathers come first and then any leftover protein goes to eggs. Yeah. So you want to give them as much protein as it'll take for them to sustain producing both. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And our, our chickens, it's it's kind of cool to watch the molting process because as ugly as they are and they look very awkward, some of them. I think it's hysterical. I, I mean, I think they look funny too, but I've noticed the new feathers that are coming in are just gorgeous. The old ones mm. don't have that beautiful iridescent sheen, like that luster, sure. like, like, you know, a beetle's back or something where it's like this blue, green just gorgeous gorgeous mm-hmm. vibrant colors and it's kind of cool to see the new ones because you can definitely tell them apart from the old the old <laughs> ones which look rather lackluster <laughs> that's fun so i can't i can't wait to see what they look like when they're all finished yeah definitely very gorgeous and very fluffy mm-hmm. so when you if you notice your chickens um molting it usually follows a specific pattern. And what Shannon was talking about earlier, how there's a lot of different things that cause um, your birds to start dropping their feathers that aren't molting. And I, that's those things are too numerous um, to really go into, but you can tell by the pattern that this happens in. And basically when molting happens, it starts on the head then it goes down the back and further down the back. Then it goes to the breast. And then finally, um, the wings and tail are last. So if your chickens are losing big patches of feathers in some other area and mm-hmm. it's it's not going in this way, you should probably look into their diet or their health or just kind of start investigating what might be making your birds the lose amount their of feathers. rooster attention they're getting. Yes, you might have an over amorous rooster. Which is usually <laughs> what causes missing feathers in my experience. Yeah, or they might have, you know, parasites or another reason or yeah. extreme sickness. Gosh, can... Hopefully you find parasites before that happens. Right. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can start dropping feathers when they're sick. So it's true. That's a good thing to keep an eye out for. Um, your chickens are probably going to be a little more depressed and lethargic while they're molting. It takes a lot of energy. They might not be wanting to eat. They might not be as active, and their gobbles and crown might be gobbles. God, it's a bad habit. Waddles and crown. Waddles, yes. <laughs> I can't just call them whatever I want to on the show. Sure you um, can. Let's just all start calling them gobbles for my sake. But, um, Sounds good. Let's do that. Anyway, they'll Hence be pale. <laughs> pale gobbles. And you want to just reduce their stress as much as you can because yeah. it's a stressful time. And you want to not handle them. Tranquil chickens. As much because these these new feathers coming in are actually, people have said they, they think that they're painful for the chickens. Like it mm. it, it kind of hurts them. And I know that they're they're kind of spiky, so in that regard, like just pushing them around in awkward angles when you're picking up the chicken could hurt them, whether or not. I think I definitely would not handle my chickens if they were not uh, very used to being handled. Yeah, yeah, but especially during molting. Like if they're the kind of bird that struggles at all. Yeah. When that's what I mean. Oh, when oh, I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's hard to imagine you hurting. If they're calm and like one of your the the super chill, yeah, you know, like riot gear or something, yeah. <laughs> it's just big, just so nice and basketball shaped chicken that just kind of sits there, and, sits on your lap, yeah, right. yeah. So as long as they're calm, well, I, I would just say use discretion. Yeah, just be careful. They're sensitive. Yeah, it's a delicate time. Yeah, and they kind of mm. look like a porcupine. You'll see they have mm. a bald patch. And then they have these little, like, kind of spiky things sticking out. They're yeah. like, rather odd. And, pin feathers. Yeah, pin feathers. And then what happens is the feather kind of grows inside that tube. Yeah. And then it will rupture. 
and come out and continue to push its way out of the tube. And then mm-hmm. the, the this tube, this feather shaft thing will kind of crumble and fall off. So if you start seeing a bunch of weird white stuff all over the place and like little tubes and that's part of the natural process. Of oh, yeah. Growing chicken. feathers make like this dandruff stuff that yeah. looks very strange. Like, like almost like there little might be worm something wrong, but something. it's it's yeah, it's yeah. almost like a butterfly cocoon thing in a way yeah it looks very odd but it's totally normal and nothing to worry about just part of the natural process of the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the molting make it dandruffy yeah yeah um one person recommended feeding their chickens um biotin which many women and men might have heard of this because it's on a lot of shampoo bottles it's very good for your hair it's an amino acid, and it is a precursor to the protein that the chickens need to grow feathers. So Interesting. Yeah, so if you really want to help them out, have a gorgeous, glossy envy of the entire flock, <laughs> feather full of fun, I don't know. Fantasticness. Fantasticness. That's right. Get some biotin. Yeah. They usually sell it for... Um, the life of the party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can get it in a sprinkle and sprinkle it on their their food. Oh, okay. So, you yeah. Don't feed them pills? No, no pills for the chickens. <laughs> you will not take well, the red pill. Very good. So that's molting, huh? Yeah. So we can all look forward to it. Your chickens are going to look a little funky. You know, I've just like got to say... <sighs> I never really did anything about it Mm -mm. yeah occasionally i'd look at one of my chickens and i'd go oh that bird looks haggard you (laughs) you look up you okay there well it's walking around okay it's Mm -hmm. eating okay it's acting okay well must just be losing a lot of feathers and yeah so i don't really think it's something to get particularly riled about no i agree with you and i don't do anything for my chickens except maybe offer them more protein but that's about it i just kind of let it happen never yeah. have any problems with I, it so i have a suspicion that different breeds might molt different mm. or maybe just different individuals and yeah. that some people have these chickens that it's like dramatic where a sure. pile of feathers just falls off their chicken all of a sudden and they're like what yeah. the heck i is i had this a... my bird has some disease or you know mm-hmm. because that i don't know there's just so much alarm around the issue and to me it never seemed like anything to even notice Almost. Yeah, I don't think you have to really do much about it if you don't want to. It's something to know about and keep an eye on, especially for new chicken owners. It could be quite startling to go out and see your little friend with like a bare naked neck and all their in order to pet them. And I've literally held some of my chickens and like ran my fingers through their feathers and mm-hmm. had like all the feathers start just like out. clumps come out because they're such big, fluffy. Yeah. I think it was with my astralorp, maybe if I remember right, that. Her feathers just, just wow. It was very dramatic. You know what looks funny is a um, Polish. Oh, really? When they're molting? Yeah, because oh, they've bet. got the floofy heads, and it just gets <laughs> all just nasty, nasty looking. nappy looking, oh, broken, they look tired so feathers. Funny. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't get too worried about them because, to me, I think they just look, they just look hilarious. It's natural. They look too. so awkward. I mean, I feel a little sorry for them. <laughs> I guess one thing is to just think about maybe this time of year, or maybe putting a light in your coop. I almost don't want to recommend it. You know, but just if if you really want to extend those daylight hours out a bit and get get a few more eggs out of the year mm-hmm. or add step up the protein just this time time of year just yeah. to finish out the season but other than that it's kind of just just let them let let nature do its thing know that that happens and try not to get too in a tizzy about it yeah (laughs) try not to get too worked up right i wanted to add something because we talked about um coop fires and heat lamps and heaters and such and lights and how they're responsible for this a lot and i thought well why can't you use 
solar lights. And I did get to look into that a little bit more and have found that people have used uh, just basically this like the solar powered path light things mm -hmm. and they come in, they come on automatically after dark. And yeah. they say that, that those work, they work fine for it. So you don't, you don't necessarily need a, um, mm -hmm. what is it, incandescent bulb. You can use LED lights. Um, yeah. There's, solar powered lights. Um, there's a little unit you can buy that's just like a, a solar, a light and solar panel for outbuildings that mm -hmm. you can just, you know, it's for a shed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're pretty cheap. I think I've, I've used one of those. Well, before. they're not, I, I don't know. Who knows? That, that was a long time ago. I looked, but. Uh -huh. They're, they're not, they weren't super cheap, but yeah. they were also not super expensive. But the important thing is that they're safe. They are very safe. Yeah. So even if they weren't cheap, it might be worth it just to for the peace of mind knowing that there really isn't a way for a solar light to start a fire. So mm. that I know of. Yeah, there are. Oh, there but are. It's, it's pretty definitely though, isn't a it? lot less likely than an endless supply of 110 volt electricity right. shorting out into a pile of chicken dander and yeah shavings <laughs> yeah and led lights really don't put off a lot of heat for one thing which it's often no. the heat of the bulb itself that's true that is catching yeah the fire. it is often the heat not the electricity so you can eliminate that and that's a big part of it cool so. lighting yeah yep. well then i think we've um definitely knocked some feathers off a of molding um <laughs> right yes um do you got anything else that no you would that's like that's about add? all i've got about molting well then and with that uh we'd like to thank you once again for tuning in and listening to the show it's means so much to us to have such a uh large and enthusiastic following um and we do enjoy watching the audience grow Come check us out at Twin Beaks Chicken Podcast on Facebook and Twin Beaks Chicken Church. That's the group that we have on Facebook where you can share pictures of you and your chickens and your chicken doings. Show us your chicken coops, chicken toys, and just any other kind of fun thing you find out there in the world about chickens. Um We'd love to hear what you think about the show and anything you'd like to hear on the show. So that's a couple places you can come check us out. We have a web page with uh, art, photos, a forum that needs some attention. Uh, I'll love to have someone to chat with in the forum <laughs> over there. That's just waiting. I'm sure that we could do, have all sorts of interesting crowdsourcing Come, come come, let me know what it is you want to learn about chickens in the forum. You can also get in touch with us through the webpage and uh, let us know what you think about the show there. Amber, why don't you tell us about your incredible collection of chicken art and photos and so forth. Yes, on Pinterest you can find us at Twin Beaks Chicken Podcast. There's a board there that you can check out with all sorts of strange chicken things. People in Victorian ballet, chicken costumes, theater costumes, people dressed up for rituals as chickens, um, chicken art, chicken photographs, photographs from the 1800s, articles about chickens. So all, all, all manner of strange chicken things you can find there. Yes, and the strangeness is going to continue as we go on. Our audiobook is coming up pretty soon, so we've edited, well, I guess Amber has edited two-thirds of the way through mm -hmm. it about now, so mm -hmm. we're almost ready to do that. Yay. That's going to be a fun release, so stay tuned to upcoming shows for that, and stop by one of our social media platforms and... Let us know what you think about our show. We'd really like to hear from you. We work hard to provide you with a entertaining and advertisement-free show. So <laughs> if you appreciate that, let us know. Give us a review on iTunes. That'll help the show grow, help us find more people who will share more stuff with us and make the show even more awesome. 
And I think that'll do for the ritual flogging of the <laughs> Twin Beaks Chicken podcast audience. The social media gauntlet has come to an end. Thank you once again for listening. Thank you. See you next week. See you next week. This is Dr. Alimentado. And it's the best dressed chicken in town. Chicken in town. It's the best dressed chicken in town. Alpha, alpha, don't fly, don't fly, don't fly, don't fly. I miss the best dressed chicken.